stick to the dream, stay true to yourself, and, and um, if you don't create for someone else, create for yourself, that's what's going to work. And even if it doesn't work, then you, know, you didn't lose because you still liked it in the end, and that's the most important. So. Um. Hey, my name is Ben Bishop, and you're listening to Turtle Flakes Podcast. Cowabunga, dudes who do that, and welcome to another episode of Turtle Flakes. I am your lowly co-host, Rob, and joining with me, as always, is my main man, Mr. Josh O'Rourke. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. Hi, everyone. And also, we are so excited because we have not only the artist of Drawing Blood, Mr. Ben Bishop, I should say. <laughs> How are you? Good. How are you? Uh, doing well, man. And, uh, and we also have Kevin Eastman. How are you? I am doing fantastic. Guys, it is an honor to have you both on at the same time. It's kind of something we didn't think would happen. So Thank you. it's really cool to have you guys on and, and talk about Volume 2, which is, like we were just saying, up to 55000 I think, right now in, in our Kickstarter here. So, yeah. um, man, I mean, have you already kind of beat the pace that you set with the first volume now? Um, I believe we were keeping track for a while, especially in the beginning. We had a stronger first day for sure. It, w- it went wild. Um, this time we made an event page that let people know, you know, the importance of, of backing early um, in the first 48 hours to try and hit that goal as fast as possible. So we had a really strong start. And then um, it started to get slower like they always do, but it was never, it has never ever stalled out. And we've got like a graph on the backside of the Kickstarter, the innards back there, and it shows the, you know, the chart going up and it hasn't dipped down at all, which is great. And it hasn't really even plateaued yet. Actually, as I'm looking at right now, we just got another 200 bucks. So we're at nice. 55,728 now with 478 <laughs> backers. So that's amazing. Yeah, it's funny. I was, I was talking to Dave, but we all have been talking pretty talking, texting, everything pretty continuously. But I think, and I forget which day it was, um, but David had sent a note. We were tracking, we were just $12 difference from the 2017 <laughs> Kickstarter. Yeah. The one we were running, I think it was day six or seven, maybe. He said, you know, we had the same. It was $12 off from what we had that. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's awesome. Hey, that's still a victory. No, it's not bad. It's not bad. Like said, you know, you know, just chatting about this whole experience, the Kickstarter experience, not only doing it the first time around, it feels like, you know, the love and support we're getting from the fans for a unique project like this, and, and it's just so special and heartwarming, and it really is, um, um, you know, we have the greatest job in the world because we have the greatest fans in the world. So they're, they're making this a reality, and it takes me back to, you know, that first loan from my Uncle Quentin back in uh, 1983, 1984, when he gave us enough money to print the first issue of The Turtles, and, uh, you know, with no... No holes barred. You know, we were the writers, editors, artists, and uh, we get to tell exactly the kind of story that we wanted to tell. And that's the same uh, situation here with Drawing Blood. And I think that's probably why we're having as much fun as we are. And I think that's resonating with the fans. I think um, their experience is pretty positive to the series. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, you mentioned 1983 and 1984, the, the early days uh, of creating the Turtles. Does this in any way kind of feel like that in the sense that I mean, did you have any idea that this would kind of blow up the way it has, Kevin? Well, you know, um, you know, certainly with the Turtles, there was never any expectation that there would be anything other than the first issue. And, you know, we'd go on about our life just you know, trying to get more work in the industry of, of comic books. That was a, a dream that Peter and I shared, you know, to, to be Jack Kirby in a sense or aspire to be somebody that got to write and draw comic books or living like uh, our hero Jack Kirby. And the fact that it's gone on the journey that it has all these years and, and still has the fan base that it has and uh, it still resonates <clears throat> even with the, the younger uh, new fans and with these new versions. But yeah, with the with Drawing Blood because, you know, it's even more kind of deja vu slash twisted slash, you know, holy smokes, um, what's going on here is having 
drawing blood take place in the universe of comic books uh, about the experiences of a guy that created a phenomenon inspired by the turtles, created a phenomenon, the ra radically rearranged Ronan Ragdolls, and has sort of had some great success and has sort of fallen on some uh, interesting and difficult and trying times in his creative career and his uh, life is spinning uh, out of control this way and that. And uh, he's trying to find that long lost creativity and uh, a place to be. And it's, so it's sort of, you know, without one, you know, it's like, which, which came first, the chicken in it or the egg kind of thing, you know? Josh, you got one, buddy? Actually, you know what? You kind of add, add questions for me. <laughs> so, <laughs> He's stumped. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, dude, I told you this was going to happen. Yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> I start talking. I'm stopped. My wife, the same thing, you know, my wife says that when we go to shows and stuff, I say, I love people and I love talking to people. So I'll be sitting at the table and we'll be like, Signing and I'll be chatting to you know everybody because I love it and she's like you know you just talk so much. Yeah. Well, well, isn't that the isn't that the origin story though of uh, you and David? Like you weren't uh, supposed to be talking about business or possibly working together, but you guys just hit it off and you told him about the story idea you had and then yeah. you guys riffed on it. And um, I, I listened to the show the other day when you had David on, but I've of course heard that story a million times as well and. Uh, and I've been in conversations like that with you, Kevin, where it just turns into other things and then we're inspired about something else. In fact, uh, first weekend I really met you was San Diego Comic-Con and Sunday night you were like, why don't you just come over? And I, like, we were hanging out in your garage all night and I was like, you know what I really want to do? Uh, I really also want to tell a story where it's just like Casey and Raph and they're just kicking butt and it's awesome. And you're like, actually, I have a story like that. And then we did Target, <laughs> target off. <laughs> And I was like, perfect. <laughs> no, that's really, it's like, I call it just happy accidents. And certainly, yeah. definitely, um, even like how we met, um, we introduced to you, Ben, and, and how we were lucky enough to get you on board for this project. But yeah, with David, David and I, it was the second time we had met. We'd met once up at uh, Emerald City Comic Con, and we're just chatting about this crazy idea. And that's, you know, it just sort of, it was very organic. It wasn't planned. It was just sort of like, wow, blah, blah, blah. Well, I once saw a fly that flew backwards. Well, I once, you know what I mean? It just sort of, something just, it just sort of evolved in this really twisted series of forenses. And then that sort of boiled over to um, the Bayfront Hilton at Comic-Con a couple of years uh, before Drawing Plug came together. And we just were talking about different ideas that we'd love to write one day. And, uh, and that's where it evolved. And, um, yeah, and I think with uh, you, Ben, I think you sent me, um, we met through Steve Levine, one of the original Mirage yep. Studios artists, and um, you had sent me the aggregate to write, give you a quote. Of yeah. the I had not seen the work yet and really fell in love with it and your work. And so when I, I showed it to David and we were looking for an artist. It would just happen to be complete coincidence that you sent the material around the time we were looking for an artist for Drawing Blood. And we were like, hey, we should use this guy really good. That's and, uh, how it all happens. That's how it happens. You got to get out there and, and take a risk. And, you know, I never thought you would give me a quote. And actually, you didn't give me a quote in time, but you gave me a, <laughs> you gave me, you gave me this job. And now your, your quote will be on book two. It's even better. <laughs> so wow. speaking about drawing blood, though, with Kickstarter and everything, I was curious, though, what is I'm not asking for like story details or anything, but how far do you see this? as a series going assuming everything keeps going gaining success like this like it has been um you're doing volume two do you think it's going to be like a three volume series or a four volume series or anything like that like is there a definite end game or is there like flexibility to stop with volume two or go on four or five different volumes from now well coming up on issue 100 of the turtles that ben said issue 100 and he, and he kind of laughed at that and he said we're going to a thousand bro um, so <laughs> going to be a thousand issues. We'll buy it. Twenty years from now, I'll buy it. Yeah, that's, yep. that's right. Now the um, the original concept that David and I had, we wanted to do it as um as a twelve series. And what we had written was, you know, we felt like you know if you're going to tell a story that has the kind of acting and emotion and and levels of story intricacy that it, it needed to have to really play out the way we wanted to play it out, um, we felt twelve issues would carry us through. You know, what you might say, you know, I guess if you looked at it as like a TV series, maybe 13 episodes of something or 12 episodes of something. We wanted to do 12, 12 comics that would, um, you know, give us a nice, well-rounded um, um, story beginning, you know, a one first great adventure. But we have talked about, um, you know, a volume two and a volume three, and it's just a matter of um, if we're lucky enough, like we have been, to continue getting uh, the interest and support from our fans. And, uh, and uh, 
you know, if Ben doesn't get hired away from us to draw like Spider Man or something, we'll keep doing. <laughs> I have been people have been like, oh, you have interest in that? You have interest in this character? And I was like, of course, like a bucket list thing, you know. But there's honestly, I mean, there's nothing better than making your own stuff. And I found that obviously with my own stuff, like the aggregate, and I've been self publishing since I was 18. Um, and this, even though we're like a big team. And I'm not actually the guy writing it. I know you talked to David about the back and forth with the creative team and the artists and stuff like that. And and it's true. It, it does feel like my own thing just as much. And I have just as much fun doing it. So when people ask me like, oh, what about Spider-Man or something? It's like, first of all, that'd be awesome. And I have to do it for the 11-year-old <laughs> in me. But it wouldn't be that kind of fulfilling for me, I don't think. I think I would I would do it, make a lot of new fans, and then tell them about my, my creator-owned projects like Drawing Blood. Um, and plus I also follow that up with, I don't even have time to do that <laughs> to, to think about that at all. I'm too busy for Spider-Man. I can't have that. Yeah. yeah. It's weird. I would literally have to know if they called me today because I'd be like, Nope, I got this and I got that. And I'm two years in the hole with a couple books already. So <laughs> that's awesome. How yeah. great of a feeling is that though? If Marvel gives you a call, you'd be like, I just, I can't fit you in my schedule, Marvel. I'm yeah, sorry. Just turn Marvel down. Can you believe I'm that? I'm sorry, Disney. I can't do it. <laughs> You know, it'd it's... be a good it'd be a good problem to have. I don't assume it will happen, but <laughs> I'm gonna say just further what Ben said is what's been so wonderful about this project is you know, I say that, you know, this idea of mine became um, you know, when David joined and we sort of really mind melted, it became ours and then once um, you know, Ben came in, it then became all of ours. It's like uh, um you put Troy into the mix and it's really you know, if you get a couple of uh, Talented, creative guys um, that are smart enough to put egos aside and, and, and recognize a good idea and making, you know, focus, keeping the focus on telling a great story, then it all works for the greater good. And that's what you have here. Why I think this uh, um, this this book looks and feels the way it does. It just there's so many things I think that I've, I've had fans come up and say that they've read it once and they saw this and they read it again. They notice all kinds of stuff they did um, the first time through. So it's it's what a, what a great team to be a, a part of this journey. Well, it's it's so funny you bring that up too because after list or after talking to David about the story, we feel like such idiots because the episode before we're talking about the book and all of our theories of what these things mm. can mean and you know how that works, and we're uh, completely the, wrong I, with most of it. <laughs> it doesn't take much to get me embarrassed, but holy crap, was I I was yeah, so we got humbled. Quick. I was so wrong about this book. I mean, it's so much better now. No, I think you should have your own, I think you should have your own perception of it and not know, that's what's fun about it to me. Like, even when I'm reading the scripts, I'm like, whoa, did that really happen? Or did, is this really happening? And then the next page is like, they're on top of a building and they're about to like shoot him. And it's like, yeah. oh yeah, that, that probably didn't happen. I don't know though. <laughs> it's fun to not know. But it's, that was like, that's, that's like true. my favorite scene in the book was when Shane was yelling at his brother on the phone. And then he talks about it's just proper etiquette to like leave a bar after you rage cry into your phone. It's like that's like the most relatable thing I've ever read in my entire life. <laughs> and I was convinced. I told Rob about this. I was convinced that that was like an analog for uh, Kevin Eastman talking to Peter Laird and David Avalon. It was like, nope, nope, you got so that, that wrong, dude. Sister. No, sorry. Yeah, like, that's, that's, I didn't know he had a sister. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's 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 all you know. And and. Kudos and compliments to the scripts that David provides and, and those moments because they really do work. And it's and it is funny that because when we I remember when I was telling somebody um, what this idea that David and I were going to do with, uh, with with drawing blood and they go, well, that's stupid. Why don't you just do one about you? And I go, well, I've lived me and it's not as interesting as you think it is. It's like, <laughs> most, most of the stuff that I've heard that it, that's made me laugh out loud of stuff that I did is stuff that was made up by the internet or stuff that I didn't do. And I was like, well, that's really funny. I'd wished I'd done that. <laughs> it's like, I'll um, go with that. So when we sort of came up with this, you know, completely fictional true story concept, we said, well, let's make it like our kind of our spinal tap uh, <laughs> comics. And then let's add in a dash of something crazy, like a little Breaking Bad or a little Barry, something that, you know, put some edge to it. We can really take a character and, and combine not only specific things that happen to me and make them, cooler or more interesting, which is most important, but also, you know, I combine, you know, late night after convention bar room stories that have been by, you know, Frank Miller's or Howard Chaikin's or, you know, well, Howard doesn't drink, but, I, you know, I mean, these stories that come out in the wee hours of a, after a convention, 
and they get better as time goes on that you can sort of really pull from a lot of different ideas and then push it you know 10 steps further and make it more interesting by uh, you know shrouding it around a, a fictional character mm -hmm. I love what David said in the last episode that if you really want to work with a team you got to be friends first you know and, and you have to be um, at, at ease with each other first and friends first and then maybe that idea about being business par partners will come later and it, and it seems so obvious uh, that that you all are friends and and I think the combination of that and creating this book and how dynamic this book is with you know really three different artists um, the the writing that goes into it you know you've got Kevin story and David's script it's just it's a combination of so many things that I think really make this a successful book and a, and a fantastic book an interesting book um, Thank you. I, oh absolutely and and I guess this there's a long-winded way of asking in addition to it just being a good book and just a very different book um ben like could you offer any advice for for those who are wanting to do kickstarters because apparently i mean obviously you've had a lot of experience and success with it yeah i mean there's a ton of stuff as far as like research goes like everything matters like the time of day you launch matters because it's also the time of day that it will end the month you launch matters because certain months mm. are bad like don't launch around an election don't launch around christmas unless your book is going to come out in time for christmas like little things like that you'll want to do a ton of research i did uh for my first kickstarter which luckily was a big success for the aggregate book one i had a goal of 10,000 and it went up 30 it got the 10 the first day and that was my first one but it's all because I think not just because I guess people liked the work and they believed in me but um, I did I did a whole month of just research and making sure I was gonna do it right and then I I did everything that I thought was right and I launched it and tried to hit the goal early and things like that so like you can never do too much of that the other thing is and uh, everyone will tell you this I'm sure that follows me online but like don't be afraid to just be insane and post constantly about it because all social media <laughs> accounts like want to hide stuff. They want you to buy ads. So like, you know, like you might be friends with 2000 people on Facebook, but you see the same, same 20 people all the time. And it's because they hide stuff if you're not buying ads. So I'm, I'm posting constantly. I'm trying to get other people to post constantly and share the link. And so then it goes in front of their friend circles. And then if a couple of their friends do, it goes in front of their friend circles. But it's not like every time you post, mm. every one of your 2,000 friends is seeing it and they're all like upset at you and they think you're annoying. Like hopefully the ones that are seeing it over and over and over again are the ones that like to see your stuff. And that's why Facebook has chosen them to see it and you can count on them to reshare it. So that's one thing aside from loads and loads of research is like don't be shy about doing that you have to be the most excited about your own project or you can't expect other people to be and luckily we all are we we love this thing and we need it to get made um first time around uh, my story was kind of like uh for drawing blood one it was like look i have the opportunity now to do like it's going to be a book with the guy who created the freaking Ninja Turtles. Look at this picture of me in a sleeping bag. And Steve Levine's like, I drew that sleeping bag. And I'm like, I need to draw this book. And uh, so that was a good story. And now now it's it's like the same it's the same pitch, essentially, except we're all a lot closer now. And it, it feels like it's going to happen no matter what. But honestly, it, if we don't hit the goal, it might not. So we got to. We got to make sure yeah. that people know, like, it's not a shoe in. We're not mm -hmm. filthy rich. Like, we need we need the support and we need. Um, people to be as excited about it as we are. And luckily, like I hear you guys talking about it and I hear other people talking about it and, and people are, I think I just don't want people to be comfortable and think we're going to make it no matter what we got to hit this goal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? sure. You know, I'm particularly grateful because um, Ben finally got me off my space page and uh, on <laughs> different kinds yeah. of stuff of media. So it's, no, um, um, we were very blessed in that. Um, everything that Ben just said is that when we wanted to approach the Kickstarter it was with a guy that um, had the experience, has done it, and really could guide it into the to the right opportunities. Because it's, you know, it, it it's still um, it's a war, and I think that it's it's a it, you know, and I don't mean I mean that in the most positive sense is that you have to really do um, you know approach people and get the word out there in a way that um, you love them and you want them to support you and you want to convince them to support you, but they're getting barraged every day by millions of different things. Well, you know yeah. what's their personal life, yeah. you know, you know, I'm paying rent or eating that week, or we're trying to get ten bucks out of them for a Kickstarter. So it is, you know, just make them aware. And if they, you know, we do, um, 
in all sincerity appreciate you know, every single penny that goes into giving us you know the opportunity to do this story because it it means uh, the world to us. But it is uh, it's 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 a lot of research is key, and we were lucky to have Ben uh, have done all of that for us before we started. And it was huge, and I enjoy doing it. It obviously you know can can be a whole different part of your brain. It takes away from you know drawing for that particular chunk of hours whenever it is. I feel like every time I'm, I go, okay, now I'm actually going to draw the book and take a break from that. I feel like it stands still and I go a little crazy. And and so you have to like kind of let that go and, and continue working on the actual project so that you're ready for when it hopefully does get funded, which I think it will for sure. Yeah. Even like Ben's got, um, we're all working on it now, but Ben's got obviously the heaviest lifting, but we promised when we went into the campaign, when he announced it at Comic-Con this year, when it started August 1st, that by the time we finish the campaign, um, the end of August, as we roll into the celebration, um, the first part of September, is we want to have issue five in the hands of the supporters, um, especially the original supporters that have now gone on the journey with us through issues one through four, plus the Ragdolls one shot that we want to reward them by. Here's the finished issue five because we kind of left it on, not kind of, we actually left it in a hanger uh, okay. um, in issue four. So that's that's hopefully um, is a. Uh, our extra thanks to them for, um, you know, we're, we're dedicated and we appreciate their dedication to us because we want to see this happen and we want to see it through. Absolutely. Well, a quick rapid-fire question for you because I'm just genuinely curious here. The Michael Bay thing, did that really happen? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to lay it out there. <laughs> it was It was a – no, it's a good – It's um, and that's the best part is that the, it, a version of that happened. And <laughs> what I mean by that is that um, when Michael Bay's Platinum Dune is going to um, – and they took over and were going to do the, the, the new Turtles movie um, that he had just come off, I think, shooting um, uh, um, Transformers number 35 or 36. I can't remember. Which <laughs> and I think he had gone straight from there to this event that they were having in New York. And there was some discussion slash confusion because we knew that the um, ooze from the very original series um, and the ongoing, you know, and many of the other versions of the Turtles was of alien origin. And so um, I think there was a bit of confusion between alien origin versus turtle planet of turtles being aliens. And, and it's sort of, you know, in, and honestly, um, seriously considered or not, or because there were a number of different ideas that were being discussed for the reboot of the turtles at that time. Ultimately, when that slipped out to the public, the fans reminded um, Mr. Bay that um, they need, he needs to keep them as mutants. So, uh, we, we, with our Morgan Harbor character, we really took it to a, um, a level that worked for us as a story because it gave a, a great opportunity for um, uh, Shane Bookman and Kevin Eastman to meet just before that was uh, that panel went off at oh, New yeah. City Con. And if you look, you can see Ben Bishop and uh, David Avalone and even my wife, Courtney's in the background and that thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, you guys uh, didn't notice that? <laughs> I, I don't That's think my I favorite panel. I'm keeping that page for sure. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so that's the fun part of like, you know, um, this complete fictional true story concept that is like, it takes sort of, you can take a spark and a thread and a, and a concept from one instance, marry it with, um, you know, a couple other things and, and then build it around, you know, the character that we've, we built and, um, and take it through a, an emotional, um, scenario between him and his fans and, uh, and make it really work as a storytelling device. And, and that came off so beautifully. Yeah. You know, going back to that, I think it's close to that scene. Uh, it might even be the same issue. One of my favorite um, scenes from the entire book is where Shane's kind of wandering around and he stumbles upon the GTFO girl. Mm -hmm. And I like how she's just letting him, you know, this, this bookman guy have it, not knowing he's wearing the mask and everything. And I just love what he says after that. He's like, you know what? Your stuff's really good. Y y you know, this is the kind of stuff that needs to get out there. And I honestly think that's a Kevin Eastman moment. Now, I never met you in person, but based on our interactions and based on everything I've heard and I've heard other panels you've done and interviews you've done, it just strikes me as that you're the kind of guy that it, you are all about the new stuff, you know, the new projects that are out there instead of hanging on to some of the old stuff that I think Dr. mentions in the book, like, ah, I'm tired of my old generation. Yeah, stuff. well, thank you. No, and it is, it is sort of like me because I, I have two philosophies and, and, you know, that's two things that mean the world to me is one is um, the giants that I personally stand on the shoulders of um, the guys like, you know, Jack Kirby and, and John Severin and, and, you know, countless others, so many, so many others that um, inspired me when I was very young 
um, up to, you know, including Frank Miller's and things that, you know, um, those things were critical for, you know, me to be inspired to, to follow this crazy dream and passion, even when my parents were mortified that I was going to be one of those kids that would never move out of the basement because I love this <laughs> I idea that I want to do a comic book store living and actually be able to feed myself or provide for a family. Um, but as, you know, I had success with the Turtles and Peter and I had success with the Turtles, um, you know, we'd go to a lot of conventions and, you know, I remember, you know, year one sitting next to this guy uh, from California that had this samurai rabbit that he was working on or this guy that had a very about a flaming carrot and that was a superhero and there was so many incredible um you know from love and rockets to the independent movement there was so many different things that crossed um you know it was this massive cross-section of um uh, underground comics uh, mainstream comics um uh, this new wave of people that wanted to take it to something personal and tell great stories so um, when I built Tundra um, and established Tundra as, a, as an opportunity, it was um, inspired by that. And I think that um, the way that that story took shape in um, Drawing Blood, it was definitely David sort of grasped onto the concept of what I was trying to do with Tundra. But, you know, we all go and we're lucky enough to walk around conventions, you know, Ben and myself and, and David. Um, and you see these up-and-coming artists that are, you know, just so talented. And it's like, you know, and you kind of look at it and go like, why does a guy three tables over have more success than this guy here or this girl there or that girl? You know, I mean, they all have great skill, unique talents, um, and you'd love to see them all succeed, and you want to support them all, and that's just um, sort of, it was a great moment. I thought it was beautifully written and, and beautifully drawn by Ben. And, uh, yeah. For me, yeah. like, because, uh, you know, when we started, issue four wasn't written kind of like how David uh, told you. And so it was coming along as I was still working on it, and they and they told me what was going to happen and the new character, uh, Amanda, and I was like, oh, this is this is me, this is me. They're like, I'm Amanda. I'm like, <laughs> I'm the new talent that they're like, you know, yeah, uh, this is the new the new people, and uh, we like what you're doing, and and so the same way that you know you may have assumed the head was Peter or that the Michael Bay thing was spot on. Like I still get to look at this and put my own take on it. And it's like, David's never said, Kevin's never said, Oh yeah, that's you. It's like, it's kind of like a, an, mm -hmm. you know, that is what it is to me, which is great. And it's something else to someone else. And that's what I love about that character. Really, uh, Ben, if you don't mind my asking, considering that I know now that you're basically GTFO girl, <laughs> well, I'm the creator. No, yeah. yeah okay, well, actually, I did. I did create DTFO girl. A little bit. <laughs> yeah, David, David named her. I designed her. I was like, I want a female Casey Jones whose motorcycle folds up onto her back. And That's awesome. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. It sounds thought, really cool when you say it like that. That's awesome. <laughs> I but, I love that character. I want to do more with her. Well, I want to see other people do more with her while I'm drawing drawing blood. <laughs> <laughs> I'd pay for it. I think that looks great. But in terms of designing characters, because I'm. I don't draw, you know, I, I mean, I write and I know how to describe a character and how to come up with a character, but when, and I, it's this nebulous thing, a uh, figure in my head of what this character, a character would look like. But when you have the job of putting it on paper, what's the process of taking somebody's mental, is somebody else's mental image of a character that they've built up and kind of passing the buck to you to put it on paper? How do you, even begin to break something like that down because I, I'm at a loss even thinking of a way to ask you how to do that. I don't even know how you would do. It. I mean, that's always my favorite part of this whole thing. Like whether it's you know starting from someone else's idea, like Kevin or David's, or just my own idea. Like the designs and the character design is always my favorite. And then you come up with all this story, and and it's my favorite because it doesn't require three thousand panels. You just get to design something that's totally amazing and then like picture it in your head and say oh well with this weapon she can do this or she could be in this situation so so that's always fun uh, I can't quite remember what was already on paper as far as um, what you guys were looking for with uh, GTFO but I know that one of my very first thoughts was you know a female Casey Jones because I wanted to still tie it in like as a nod to the turtles somehow um, right. like even our reporter in the sort Gretchen I gave her the yellow uh, trench coat, and then I gave the uh, her brother Pierre a hockey shirt in the first scene. So it's like <laughs> it's like a nod to Casey and April, real quick. Um, so I don't know. I mean, that's it, I kind of I don't think about it as that much enough to say 
to really dissect it for you, but I do a lot. I do a ton of sketches, I guess, uh, and then I pick them apart and say, okay, well, this works from that one. This works from that one. Um, but with her, yeah, I wanted, I wanted something on her back uh, similar to, you know, the golf bag with the gear. And so that's where the folding motorcycle idea came from. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. That's the fun part, though. Like when I got, I got the opportunity to do a backup for a Savage Dragon story, which I think that we had talked about the one time I was on. And right from the beginning, Eric Larson was like, well, what do you want to draw? And I was like, I'd like to redesign everything. So I made like an evil savage dragon. I redesigned like this whole wow. future world. Like that's what's fun for me. It's like the redesign reimaginings. I love like the Wasteland Warrior episodes of Ciro's Turtle Show where Raph has a beard and Donnie's mm -hmm. a robot. Like I love that stuff. <laughs> um, so it's all it's always just playing and having fun. Even when Kevin and I did Target R, uh, I think he kind of like had fun that way too. He was like, we're going to give Casey a new look. We're going to give nobody a new look and we're going to take Raph's bandana off. And so like, we really put our own stamp on, you know, pre-existing characters that even exist within a longer ongoing story. And so now like every, anyone ever draws, you know, nobody in that 90s ski jumper or <laughs> Casey in the winter <laughs> gear or like we get to be like, Hey, that's our version or even Raph with all the stuff on him. I get, like that neck piece we gave him with the tubes and you know that's what i really love about that story more than anything is that we made it our own that's a fun you know i think even like when we were going through um a lot of the early stages of designing some of the characters that david and i had in mind for uh for drawing blood it's like we knew that um we're huge fans of um jim stranko so when we were coming up with the idea for uh who frank Forrest would look like we have we sent ben some reference for um and what you know, Jim Steranko, there was uh, best hair in the business, Jim Steranko. <laughs> so, in a lot of cases, be like, um, you know, Ben's first crack at it was perfect. Uh, in other cases, I think, um, I think with uh, like Shane's lawyer, I know Ben, I mean, David had a um, some more specific, um, Elaine Ugler, I think, was a comedian that he really had this when he was writing it, he really had her in mind as a design of that character. So, there's some tweaks, but I think. You know, whether it be the Night Avenger or, G you know, I think you did all the original Night Avenger sketches too, Ben. The so that that's exactly what I'm talking about. So I had to design Night Avenger just for like one. It was the character that Frank had made that made him famous. And I did every generation of the Night Avenger. I did all the, all the oh, way up awesome. to like the Netflix show. You can see them in the back of the drawing book. So I did like the crazy 90s one with pockets and pouches and, and uh, no feet. And then uh, all the other ones where it just got like more modernized and modernized until I kind of stripped it all the way to what it started with, which was essentially like a pulp hero kind of that, you know, David loves to write. And uh, and he was more like just a hood and cape and, and like a kind of a lousy logo that was just an N and an A. And um, and so that that was a perfect example of what I love doing, which is just like riffing. And I, I think I'd spent quadruple the amount of time I should have on it just to invent the other versions in case we ever <laughs> go there. Cause Frank was alive for a long time. So you never know what piece of that will be showing similarly to how ragdolls have been around a long time in drawing blood. So, so when uh, Shane is in Morgan Harbor's office, I get to draw like the, the over the top CGI version of a Tomo on the poster, you know, for the upcoming movie. And then <laughs> Troy gets to draw, you know, what they were in their heyday. And so that's a lot of fun. That's you know, funny because it made me think of um, back in the early days when Peter and I were doing the original Mirage series, fans would go, oh, we've been asked, you know, retrospectively and even at the time, they were like, well, it's amazing that April looks different in almost every single issue. Um, Pete and I would come to some lame excuse like, you know, well, she's evolving as a character and thinking that blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but mainly the issue was neither of us could draw women very well at all. They look like hair. <laughs> And so each, each issue we like, we changed because we were learning to draw a little bit better. The way she ends up in issue 11 is just like, you know, it's not even the same person for Pete's sake. I don't know. <laughs> oh, no. uh, That's such an inside baseball thing right there. That's crazy. <laughs> I'm just thinking, oh man, I'm just, I'm a crazy fan when it comes to Ninja Turtles, okay? So, like, I'm going to think, like, pretty much everything looks cool. man. It doesn't oh. diminish it at all. That's what's no, great about the all. inside baseball. And that's what's great about Drawing Blood. The entire book is inside baseball. And, like, you get to decide what's real and you don't know what we're going to reveal later. And that's that's what's great about reading the scripts personally for me when I get them. 
Yeah, yeah, and and also just the fact that um, it, there's a struggle I go with. It's like I want to ask the questions, but I'm like at the same time I don't really want to know the truth. You know, I, I kind of agree with what you said, Ben. That it's it's almost better not to know the exact truth, what's real, what's not. So I'm not going to ask those questions. Uh, but one thing that is also so cool about this book is it's kind of like it's so versatile too because you can go with so many different things here. David was talking about having hopefully one day an ongoing Ragdolls uh, series, you know, the adventure series, which I think is such a cool idea. And then GTFO Girl having its own series or the Night Adventure Night having Adventure. its own. Yeah, so there's so many opportunities within this behind-the-curtain book. And I just think that's so neat. No, thanks. No, that was it was funny because when, you know, if in a perfect world, and rarely it ever is, um, you know, if you can come up with an opportunity to create a, um, you know, as a creative person, create a platform that you can springboard um, into a number of different story opportunities, then that is a blessing that just never stops giving. And, and when we happened into and sort of backed into and, the way that um, Drawing Blood and the Ragdolls and everything, you know, Shane Bookman's universe, it really gives us that opportunity. You can really go in a number of different directions, but as long as we, you know, keep the heart and soul and keep mm -hmm. it story, story first and story centric, that's the dream and that's the goal. And we're we're so happy in this space. I really think that like um, I'm curious and excited to see how how long it goes because um, you know there's a lot of story to tell and we're having a lot of fun doing it. So. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, the, I, I know you're, you're pressed for time there, guys. Uh, if I could ask one question, I told my neighbor I was talking to Kevin Eastman, and he's like a brand-new Turtles fan. He was, a, he was a fan as a kid, and he's recently gotten into the IDW stuff and is absolutely hooked And of course, City at War and everything that's going on. So I said, hey, man, I'm, I'm talking to Kevin. You want me to ask him a question real quick? And he said, uh, see, they say hindsight's twenty twenty. If you could go back and give your younger self any advice regarding the Turtles or, or the comic series – what would it be? Is there anything you change or do differently? You know, it's you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty, and and it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, it is true, and I, and you know, and, and it's funny because um, I was with uh, immediately thinking of that Shane Bookman, Bob Bookman call that you saw in the bar, uh, because Peter and I are so not even remotely like. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, so I was talking to Peter last year when we were shooting some scenes together for uh, the toys that made us. It's coming out. Um, our they're doing a Turtles episode soon. And we were just talking about hindsight and, you know, what would you do differently? And I, and I think that, you know, besides, uh, um, you know, personally, I think that uh, I'd be a little less rock star and I'd be a better friend to Pete as a creator and, and, and those kinds of things that you look back at. But the evolution of what happened to the, the characters, the story, how it evolved, and, you know, it just couldn't have happened any other way. It was like um, mm -hmm. the preciseness of how, much like drawing blood even, is like the preciseness of how Peter and I met should never have happened. Uh, the the opportunities that came uh, before us um, uh, for whether it be the toys or the animation or even the movie with Steve Barron and Jim Henson to do this is it's a billion to one chance that any of those things fell into place the way it did, and it was so precise and so perfect that you really have to remind yourself that you you're probably not really in control of this situation as much as you think you are. Wow. <laughs> uh, but it's um uh, one thing that you know. Uh, always stayed constant is we we tried to stay true to our characters we tried to stay true to ourselves as far as you know telling good stories and protecting our characters um and honor those guys i mentioned before you know the shoulders that we stand on the giants of or me personally for sure and i can speak for pete in this respect is that when you have guys like jack kirby who created or co-created most of the the characters we love so dearly in our life now um he never had the opportunity to control or have say or even profit from his successes of his characters and his creation. So we really took that to heart when we had control of the turtles and the things that we wanted to do or not do with them. We were very, very specific, and we said, "Well, we we're not going to do that because we don't like that, and we're not going to do that um, because we don't like that, and we want to keep it keep it true." So just um, stick to the dream, stay true to yourself, and and um, if you don't create. For someone else, create for yourself. That's what's going to work. And even if it doesn't work, then you, know, you didn't lose because you still liked it in the end. And that's the most important. So, um, yes. uh, mm -hmm. well said, man. 
All right. Well, guys, I I know it's getting late, but I just want to thank you so much for for seriously both of you joining us. It's it's uh it's been an absolute honor and a pleasure to talk to you guys. Yes, thank you. Thanks for your time. Thanks for your support, Ben. Thanks for joining. Now back to work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, go visit drawingbloodcomic.com. Help us hit that $75,000 goal. We're 74% of the way there. Yay! Yay! Only, yeah! only 18 days left. So we got to hit that. And if we hit 100 after that as a stretch goal, you'll all get a free Ragdolls double sized comic. So it's all about those freebies, but we can't unlock the freebies until we unlock the Drawing Blood Volume 2. Oh, and also, hey, Ben, is that. um. Is the drawer off you did with Troy? That's still available online. Can people go back and watch that? Yeah, yeah, we did a we did a big old draw off me and Troy where we trash talked for two hours. And it was amazing. We drew, drew rag dolls, and you watched that. Yeah, it was oh, crazy. Yes. Recently, <laughs> it was hilarious because we, you know, as we planned it out, because I was I did a show in Montreal uh, with Troy and got to spend time with him, which was great. But we plotted on Ben that. Uh, <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. I did a drawing of uh, on the back of one of the books that Ben didn't know about, and so we kept it secret until the draw. So we flipped it over. <laughs> so that was uh, yeah. <laughs> that was, so so I was killing it. Like my my pledges, like my bids, because people were bidding on the pieces, and that's how we decided who won. And then all that money goes into the Kickstarter, and so mine was at like three thousand or something, and Troy was stuck at like nine hundred, maybe maybe a thousand. And then he was all done, and he was, like, moping. He's like, oh, I guess people, I'm just not getting the support. And then he goes, but what about this? And he turns it over super slow. And I just started swearing for, like, two minutes. And I was like, you guys, you. And then my phone, which I'm doing the live on, is just going, rant, 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 and it's buzzing because Kevin keeps texting me, and I can't read them because I'm doing the live. And so after the thing, I checked it. The messages and he's talking with David and I and he's like, "Yeah, wait till Troy turns over that sketch cover." And I'm <laughs> like, uh, but it was great. It all went right into the Kickstarter. We jumped, we jumped up ten grand that night. So yeah, that's huge. yeah. So we're plotting, uh, we're all actually uh, Ben, David, and I are all doing a convention in Albuquerque this coming weekend. So we're we're plotting on something fun to do then. So we'll tell the fans to stay tuned. Yeah, awesome. great. Well, all right, guys. Well, thank you so much again for coming on. And uh, again, guys, go. We're not just saying this because Ben and Kevin are on our show right now. The comic is amazing. So go check it out. Check out Kickstarter. It is Drawing Blood Volume Two. Uh, we gotta we gotta reach that goal. It is August twelfth as we're recording this. Go give them support. I promise you, with all the perks and stretch goals and everything, you will not be disappointed. Again, guys, thank you so much for coming on, man. Thank awesome. you. That's great talking to you. Talk again soon, okay? Yes, yeah, so we'll keep this going. This will be our uh, biannual tradition. Yes. <laughs> Deal. <laughs> All right, guys. Y'all have a good one. All right, guys. Well, first, of, or again, thank you so much for Kevin Eastman and Ben Bishop coming on. It was an absolutely wonderful interview. I wish Josh and I were just talking about this. We had a little break to kind of compose ourselves again there were so oh, many thank other- god you weren't recording any of that okay so- <laughs> <laughs> oh it's it's in there buddy i've got it recorded oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh so i got plenty of blooper real fodder but uh don't worry don't worry. I'll pu- i won't put anything in there that's okay nice. good yeah there it is i don't listen to the show but i listen to our blooper reels do you really so just, yeah i because i did listen to our show for a long time and then I stopped because, like, that's super pretentious of me just listening to a show that I'm on. But, like, I do listen to our blooper reels because it's just, like, just some of the stuff I say is just really stupid. And it's real <laughs> funny hearing what you put in there. So, <laughs> Well, you know, I always try to keep it, something in there that's pretty funny. And and for, Oh, God, he put that in there. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I think Josh would be cool with it. <laughs> I don't get, yeah, no, decision. go ahead. <laughs> no, go ahead. Put whatever put whatever you want out there. It's fine, you know. Well, just, the only reason I listen to the show is because I have to edit it. And even then, sometimes uh-huh. I go back and it sounds stupid, and it's not be- for the reason you think. I've caught myself. A lot of times I'm multitasking while I'm editing. I'm not quite paying 100% attention as I'm editing. You know, I'm like doing – I'm watching my son tear up his room because the computer's in there. And I'm kind of like half listening to the show. I'm like, yeah, it sounds good. So a lot of times right. I don't notice that I made a mistake until I go to publish it. I, I played every episode one time through just to make sure I didn't leave an effect or something like in randomly in there. Well, most of the time they were an issue, except, you know, sometimes I'll cringe because I hear myself rambling. But last episode, that's exactly what happened. I left a video game music effect 
I cut like a piece of it to put in the blooper reel, forgot to delete the other piece. So right at the time that we're playing uh, Corey Neighbors' voicemail, all of a sudden this loud music drowns him out. And I had already, I'd already published the episode by then. <laughs> so now I got to go in there, pull up Audacity, pull up the file, mute that out, make sure I didn't delete anything else, and export it, convert the file, republish it. Ugh. So, But I did get it done, and I apologize to Corey there. <laughs> but guys, yeah. Uh, so again, check out Drawing Blood Volume Two, and this is pretty much the last time we'll we'll get to really talk about Drawing Blood, except for you know we might be able to you know mention it for the rest of the month. But we have to thank Ben for coming on, Kevin Eastman, of course, for coming on, uh, David Avaloni for coming on. It's been truly an honor and a pleasure to have these guys, and the book is fantastic. So if you have any questions about Drawing Blood or the turtles in general and you want to send us an email or our email is turtleflakespodcast at gmail.com we are on twitter at turtleflakes and we are on facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash turtleflakes we do have a turtlecom hotline 865-309-4875 and uh last but not least hosthead would you like to tell us a little bit about your blog yeah, so you can find uh, me at turtletracksblog.com. It's a website where I just kind of comment on the state of pop culture. Uh, I do movie reviews, video game reviews, comic book reviews, toy reviews, um, and just and also some, every now and then I'll just write something that is just me like talking about what grinds my gears. <laughs> um, uh, if you're interested, I also have a gaming channel on YouTube called Turtle Tracks Games, um, where you can find me. Just playing games pretty okay, I think. Uh, so I'm actually doing a playthrough right now of Mark of the Ninja. Um, I mentioned a couple of episodes ago. It's a stealth game. I've had some problems. Uh, I had to re-record a bunch of it. But uh, next week I'm going to be doing another uh, long play uh, series of Armia 2, The Devil's Cartel, which is like one of the most underrated games ever. I think it's a lot of fun. Can't wait to start sharing that with everyone. So you can find me at turtletracksblog.com, and you can find me on, on YouTube at Turtle Tracks Games. All right. Well, there you have it. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for sticking with us for literally, I think by the time you hear this, it will have been six years officially because I, I think our first episode was published in August 16th, I think, of 2013. So, um, yeah, we're going on six years, and um, I know – Josh and I, we have no no plans on stopping anytime soon. Nope. So, nope, nope. You're stuck with us. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm cool, man. I've been here four years. I kind of know my. I kind of realize my lot in life. It's cool. Wait, I got it. Wait a minute. I'll tell you what, buddy. This might be, and this is perfect if it is. Was it your first episode, episode thirty nine? Um, yeah, it yeah, was. Wasn't I think it? so. Yeah. Dude, you're officially you were officially on a hundred episodes of Turtle Flakes, man. Holy crap! Kevin Eastman and Ben Bishop are on your hundred appearance. <laughs> That's funny, man. <laughs> and what happens? That's pretty sweet. And what does everyone get to hear me do? They get to hear me completely freeze up in front of Kevin Eastman. <laughs> uh, oh, buddy, they'll never yeah. know. I'll edit that part. Out. <laughs> yeah, it was almost exactly what we said it was going to be. It's like you got a question for Kevin Eastman. Yeah. So how you doing? How you doing? Are you having a good day? How you feeling? Did you get something to eat yet? You look a little, you look like you need something to eat. Well, that reminds me. Oh God, when was it? Jim Lawson. It was the the second or third time we talked to him. And remember, there was one time we couldn't like I'd get Jim on yet we'd lose Thaddeus or we'd lose you. Remember that? Oh yeah, that was um yeah that was, you and I were gonna that was in like January of like yeah a couple twenty sixteen or something like that. It was a while ago. And oh, God, I was so excited. We were going to talk about talk to Jim Lawson, and he wanted us to talk. We were doing uh, I Monster, I think. Yeah, we were going to do that. We we're going to do that, and he wanted us to call the Mirage office, and because yeah. he was working there at the time, and um, we just could not. Every time he would pick up, I would get dropped, and every time you would pick me up, he would get dropped. Yeah, yeah, and the guy was so patient. Yeah, and we have never interviewing him until, like, I didn't talk to him. I, yeah. I know you interviewed him a few times, but with me on the show, I didn't talk to him until, like, November of last year. Really? The third time? Was the last time? Or think, the only time? I think it was the last. I think it was last year. Wow. Yeah. No kidding. And that was. No kidding. Yeah, it was in November of last year. It was crazy. It was a while ago. Yeah. Yeah, that was a crazy interview. Yeah, that was, that was a lot of fun. That was. And you know what was funny about the one before? So I'm 
finally, I can't get you back on the call. And Jim's on the line. He's like, so how you doing, Rob? You know, Jim being a super nice guy. I'm like, I'm doing yeah. great. I'm doing great. How are you? And then all of a sudden, there was this point in silence. And I was like, I didn't know what else to talk about. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, know. so you're writing anything? <laughs> uh, we can have lunch, man. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, so. Uh, I was like, I got Jim on. I've got a million questions. Yet I have one right now. Uh, but yeah. So... <clears throat> So guys, thank you so much for sticking with us. Thank you for uh, listening to another uh, episode. And um, gosh, the question we all want to know, at 10 o'clock at night, at least my way, I guess it's nine yours, what kind of pizza week are we going to have to close out another totally tubular episode of Turtle Flights, my friend? Ugh, I don't want pizza right now. I don't, I don't really want, I don't I want know. anything. I know. Just like, I'll just take like, uh, I don't know. Man, you know, turkey puts you to sleep, apparently, because of, like, tryptophan or some stuff that science made up. <laughs> you know, so let's just have a fried turkey pizza. All right. Oh, I love fried turkey. That sounds good. I know, right? I'm not even a big turkey guy. Turkey's fine. Oh, I like turkey. Yeah, you, you know, I don't I don't really get into bird that much. You know, and I, Really? I know, yeah, right? I'm, I mean, I'm a red meat guy. I like red meat. I understand. You know? I like that, too. But, like, and I made fried chicken tonight, so that was pretty cool. So... All right, all right. Well, hey, thank you so much, guys, for listening. And uh, on behalf of Hosthead and myself, uh, we hope you have a wonderful week. I hope you back the Volume 2 Kickstarter of Drawing Blood. And um, here's to hope you enjoy your friends, enjoy your family, and a mega slice of fried turkey pizza. Cowabunga, dudes. Cowabunga, everyone. Well, it's so awesome to have you both on, man. I, I didn't, I didn't expect this, but Kevin says you're allowed to hang with us, Ben, if you don't talk. So, yeah, I'm just gonna do a lot of heavy breathing, like <laughs> Kevin does. He calls me every morning. Dude, we just got to talk to both of them. Hey, How cool is that? Dude, you know, every time you talk to Kevin Eastman, like I just, pardon me, I freeze. Like you ask, you ask me to ask a. Do you have? I'm so that? sorry. I, like, I didn't mean to. I was like, what's that mean? I completely like <laughs> what are questions? blanked on because I had questions. Like, in my head, oh, I had them. And I was rambly. Oh, God, I was rambly. I was like, I oh. could feel it. <laughs> but you know, you've recovered. And I get to edit all that out. So you're I'll leave it in. I don't care. It's fine. <laughs> no, that's what I do. It's fine. It wouldn't be an episode of Turtle Flakes if I didn't jump. It's okay. And if I didn't ramble. Yeah. But it was so cool. Like, the first time you, when you uh, hung up on me and Kevin to create a call with all four of us on. Oh, were you still talking with Kevin? I was then? still on the phone with Kevin. I didn't think I was until I heard he must have had a fan going on in his in his office or something. Uh-huh. And I literally said out loud, "Oh my God, I'm on a Skype call with Kevin Eastman." He goes, "Oh, hey, Josh." I was like, "Oh, he's talking to me." <laughs> <laughs> and I just said, "Thanks for being on the show. I really appreciate it." And he says, "Oh, you know, I really appreciate you being you asking me to be on the show." Really want to promote the Kickstarter. Really think it's a great thing. You guys want us on? I was like, oh man, he's talking to me. But then I'm like, <laughs> just be cool and don't say anything stupid. And then you called. Like, Thank God, because I was not going to be cool and so I was going to say something <laughs> stupid. But it was so funny. Yeah. In my head, I'm thinking about it now. I think I just told Kevin Eastman he doesn't know how to draw. <laughs> I think that's what it sounded like. I don't think it came across that way. Because no, I, I didn't take it that way. Then immediately Ben Bishop came in with the assist where it was like, that doesn't diminish anything that we love about the Turtles. I was like, oh, thank God Ben is here. <laughs> 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 oh, wait, holy, Ben Bishop is here. Yeah, oh ben my Bishop's God. here. <laughs> yeah. guy, they're like, they're friends. They have beers together. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you know, Ben Bishop, awesome beard that he has. Oh, my God. It is pretty legendary. Ah, I, I just, uh, you know, I, I think that he's one of those guys that's just a dude, and I wish I could just have, like I always say, I don't drink anymore, but I wish I could have the proverbial beer with him, you know, microphones off, and just talk to the dude as a friend, because he, I know he's a wealth of knowledge in this comic book industry, and, and also he's just a fun guy to be around, you know, so I just love to kind of almost be in David Avalone's shoes, you know, just happen to just 
meet him, strike up a conversation, because he just seems like a nice guy, but also knows a ton about comic books. Yeah, like, so, just, like he's I a... Know. You know, I'm a comic book fan. He's a comic book nerd. Like, you hear the word nerd tossed around a lot. It's like, you're not a nerd. I'm sorry, you're not. You know, what if just because you put on a pair of horn rim glasses, that does not make you one. You bought, like, a Spider-Man t-shirt at Target. That doesn't make you... Like, Kevin Eastman knows about, like, the history of, like, just how comic books are laid out and put together and how it started that way and just... It's insane. His He's, like, a wealth of knowledge about just an actual, like the thing that is comic books and i would love yeah. to pick his brain about like how do you put a page together because i'm not an artist you know i'm not like in terms of drawing and painting and stuff like that like he like he is on that level it's like i have no idea how he would put a page layout together yeah which is kind of my job you know and i don't know just knowing guys like this that are kind of approachable and kind of take the more unconventional approach to things that kind of gives me hope you know that that's kind of my goal is to go that route one day just just work my butt off build these friendships that could possibly be you know networks later on um but you know not abusing that either you know just try to get the stuff out there go to somebody that might be my friend that i, I trust to give creative advice and um and yeah yeah you know just who knows what can happen i i don't i i try my best and i'm a lot like you in that way I don't want to take advantage of anyone. You know, I, I, I don't want to use anyone because they're, they're famous or they right. have connections. But at the same time, if these people are my friends anyway, I don't want to not use it if it's not a big deal. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, you know, I, and it's, it's kind of like just like the scary part, at least for me, like the scary part is just kind of like finding that out where it's just like I have a turtle story in my head that I really want to write. You know, it's kind of like, kind of me taking another uh, swing at the story I wrote a few years ago and like actually trying to put a bow on it and finish it. Because that story is still in my head. And like every yeah. chapter I would publish on my website and on our group page and on my uh, Facebook page and everywhere else that I could. There is kind of that hope where it was like, you know, Rob is friends with Courtney Eastman. Would she like get that and think it's cool and like send it on upward or would Ben Bishop? read that and think it's cool and say like hey this guy knows some stuff it's like that's always like the fantasy but like yeah you know in reality people are playing farmville still i think do people play farmville i don't know <laughs> i don't know <laughs> uh, i think farmville's still relevant people go to people go to facebook and like oh i don't have any notifications darn and turn it off you know nobody reads anything on facebook I i'm with you man <laughs> and I, honestly, I honestly do think that one day just one day I have no idea when but I think one day I mean you you write more than I do and I, I really admire that about you you write all the time uh, not lately <laughs> well you know well, like you said you would kind of take a little break yeah charge the batteries but you're still creating you're still doing stuff uh, it's not like you're just kind of sitting on the couch going eh I don't feel like doing anything today <laughs> uh, it, it feels like that I mean because like I try I mean every day I wake up and I'm like okay what am I going to write today well see that's it that's what I'm talking about yeah, yeah. And then it's just like, now all I need is an idea. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> an idea. Yep. And that's where it starts, man. Yeah. But you're okay. right on a napkin. I don't have any ideas. <laughs> there's, there's, this great, there's this great clip of George Lucas when he was writing the script for The Phantom Menace. And, and I'm not comparing myself to him. But it's such a great writer that I have more often than I'd like to admit. And he was being interviewed by like Entertainment Tonight or something like that. And like he has on his ranch, the Skywalker Ranch, he had this one little shed that he would sit in and write. And he wrote his scripts in like number two pencil, which I thought was hilarious. Wow. But like he wrote those entire scripts, his first drafts anyway, in pencil. And he was like, he sat at a table and he had like just a folding chair and a card table. And he's like, I got my table, I got my paper, I got my pens or my pencils now all I need is an idea and he just kind of sat there <laughs> and the camera just kind of lingered on him and just like for a moment and then like I think like he might have been telling a joke because a camera was in there or that could have been something he does every day that really always and I'm not a Star Wars dude I'm not even like a George Lucas guy but like that really just stuck with me whereas like he gets it everybody's stuck 
everybody, you know, like he's got a. He had like the impossible uh, job of writing Star Wars again. Yeah, no kidding. How do you do that again? And I like what David Attenborough says. Like he's like, I know I'm kind of like asking Kevin Eastman to write Phantom Menace. I'm like, that's an interesting analogy. <laughs> it took me. That was such a weird analogy too. Like it took me a minute. I was like. What do you mean by that? And like, oh, wait. Yeah, okay. I get it now. I was like, yeah, you got to create the Ninja Turtles again, but make them completely different, but incredibly similar. Yeah, right, right. How do you do that? You just, yeah, you know, and make it interesting enough where people don't think it's just a repeat of, you know, the old stuff. But yeah. Which ironically, like, it should be. Right. It, 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 yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird, like, onion that the ragdolls are, that could potentially be, like, one yeah. issue of the Ragdolls, and I'm hooked on them as a series. Me too, me too. I, I'm drawn to them, pardon the pun, but uh, at the same time, it's like, that was all I, I thought was so interesting about that last interview was, that wasn't even something they were originally going to do, but it made a lot more sense, which blows my mind. I mean, this could actually take off. It could, you know? yeah. I mean... You know, crazier things have happened. You know, like yeah. there was there, uh, never count out what comic books will do. There was a comic book of Godzilla fighting Charles Barkley at one time. You know, it, <laughs> anything can happen. You know, it's just yeah. You know, your I mean, I am a staunch believer that no, your dreams don't come mm-hmm. true, but your dreams could come true. Yeah, you know, it could happen. It just never sounds right coming from me because I just don't look like a guy who would be like, follow your dreams. You know, I just, I think <laughs> I look like the guy who is just like, oh, we're going to a parade. And there's somebody that says, I hope it rains. That's pretty much, <laughs> that's kind of me. It's kind of what I look but like. But in, anyway. in a lovable way. Yes, yeah, sure. Yeah. Exactly. You're, uh, you're, what? You want to love me? That's on you, dude. <laughs> you know, love me at your own risk. Dude, that was your choice, not me. No. <laughs>